Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Magnolia Beef and Seminary has top quality beef products that are raised right here in Mississippi. They also have fantastic gifts for every age. For the best beef in Mississippi and so much more, visit Magnolia Beef and Seminary or find us on Facebook. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, where we celebrate every single day the people who are working so hard uh, to make this place, Mississippi, such a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, no big speeches today. We're going to jump right into today's show because I've been looking forward to visiting with my friend George Freeland, who leads the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. It's been a while since we've caught up. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, on top of everything else, October is a manufacturing month. And uh, boy, does does Jackson County play a huge role as it relates to that in Mississippi. But George, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Ricky. It's good to see you this morning. It's good to see you too. Listen, I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment and pause, given the fact that last week we were honoring the life of George Logel. Uh, I call him an icon. I call him one of our the most significant stalwart leaders in the history of coastal Mississippi. Um, we haven't visited uh, since George's death. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to to share your thoughts. Well, you know, Ricky, like you and so many others, I I knew Mr. Slogel, and um, I'm always quick to say that George was the kind of person that after you spent any time with him. You felt better about yourself. You, you felt better about your own potential and your own possibilities. And I, I, I don't know that he knew that he had that effect on people, but he certainly had it on me. And for all the testimonials um, and all the observances and shared experiences, I'm, I'm sure that you've, you've heard over the last week since George's passing, Uh, The best thing that I can do is to put it in an economic development context like this. And that is to say that, as I often remind uh, those around us, that it's not the will to win that matters. It's the will to prepare to win that separates successful communities. And the will to prepare to win requires leadership. And George provided that measure of leadership. So when it wasn't necessarily apparent or obvious, George was constantly backing us so that we had that will to prepare to be successful uh, along the Mississippi Gulf Coast. He's going to be missed. That's a that's a that's a that's a kind of profound way to say, it. and I think you're right. I mean, I, I had I, I shared in a post where, in uh, early in the in the evolution of this show, George joined me for a full show back in 2020, and I said, you know, how do you want to be remembered? What do you want your legacy to be? And he said immediately says, I don't want to be remembered. And I said, no, you have a you know you have an opportunity now to influence how people might see that. And he said, well, you know, the truth is, I don't want them to remember George Logan as a personality, he went on to say. And he said, it, it, I, want, I want us to continue to do the things that we're doing. And I want, to, I want to, if I can have a small part in building the kind of place that people want to stay in and people want to come back to, then, you know, that would be fine with me. And whether my name's attached to it or not, he could care less, you know. The way that, George, the way that John Hairston described him in the tribute that we did, I thought it kind of speaks to what you just said. 
said, George had an uncanny ability to make people feel like when he's talking to you, like you're the most important person in the room. And wh- and I worked with him on the United Way and Chamber and after Katrina and so many different ways. We I was the chairman of the Gulf Islands uh, Friends of the Gulf Island National Seashore Organization, a, an organization that he and I created together. And and I got to I got to watch him go on a mission to rebuild the Ship Island Lighthouse. But during the pro- I was just a young guy in that process. As I was going through it, I mean, I was willing to like take a heel for him. I, mean, I was sure. George had this this ability to empower somebody. But the way the way that George the way that John talked about it was this. He said, when George when George looked at you in the eye. You, he had a way of, of making you feel important, but more importantly, he had a way of making you feel he cared about who you were because he really did care who you were. He wanted to get to know who you were, and he referred to that as a twinkle. He said that George had a twinkle in his eyes, and uh, you can't you can't create a twinkle in somebody's eyes. You just can't make them have that. He just had it, and it was very special. And the number of people that have that I've heard from the people, number of people I've talked to. Um, there's just literally no telling how many thousands of people that man has touched for so long. And his legacy is going to live on in all of us when it's all said and done. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're touching on something that we could probably spend the next half hour on. It's interesting. I, I, I put myself in this category. I, I, I led my answer to you by implying that what George did was he made for a better community. And he did do that. But the more we talk about it, I think there was a sequence to doing that. What he really did was he made better people. He made us yes. All, yes. all all better individually, professionally, or, or otherwise. And as such, better people translate into a better built and thriving community. So I guess maybe there is something to the sequence and the chronology of this. Yeah, I, I, the perfect. That's a perfect observation, actually. Um, in my conversation last Thursday with Julian Rankin, Julian, Julian, Julian referred referred to this as the lineage of the community. You know that that we're passing. You know, we're getting passed to us from people like. Leo Seal and Jerry St. Pay and George Slogan and Roland Weeks and these people. We're getting something passed to us that empowers us. It's skill sets. It's it's a, it's a little bit of wisdom. It's the opportunity to, to experience things. And that lineage is being passed to us. And, and hopefully, as a result of the collective experiences of all of us, as we continue to share all of those experiences with one another, we get better at building better places. We get better at, at driving this economic engine that is coastal Mississippi forward in ways that it, that's better than it was before. And I believe in that. I, I really, I think, you know, this chronology that you talked about, this lineage that, that Julian talked about, I can't, I can't agree more that that is what's happening. That's what we're just, there's an empowering nature of this, the wisdom that's being passed to us. And we, as a result of that, feel the responsibility to keep moving this thing forward. Well, you, you know, you look, look, you have me on the program because, and, and others that are in my field, because your intention is rightly so to focus on things that are more particular and hardwired to economic development, diversification, job creation, uh, 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 manufacturing. Uh, diversification and otherwise, but but the fact of the matter is, is I cannot do, I cannot execute 
what what I'm obligated to execute without leadership. And while we're going to miss George, I think he would he would encourage that very conversation that focuses on leadership succession because there can't be a hiccup, there can't be a lapse, there can't be a hesitation, and there can't there can't be a break. Mm-hmm. And and what George also it seemed to me, consciously or otherwise unconsciously, always pushed as a part of his narrative is the same that Jerry St. Pay does. And that is one, a focus on the leadership succession, but also a focus on the fact that we cannot become complacent in this community. And yeah. we give that speech quite often. I gave it at a Chevron event last week that says, I'm happy to enumerate and to detail all of the successes and all of the reasons why we ought to feel feel fulfilled in the economic development arena here in South Mississippi. Our biggest threat is complacency. And George, at every turn, preached against that. He, he did. Uh, you're speaking of Jerry St. Pay, but, you know, uh, another incredible living star in this community who continues to give back. I mean, he, he sent me thoughts, a video from Europe, you know, while on this trip. And he, you know, he described George as being a beacon, a beacon of light, and which I think is great. But I, I would I would actually describe Jerry St. Pay the same way, the beacon of light, because as, as, as he said on my show, and as we continue to talk about, you and I talked about it on more than one show, but the, the, but the notion around complacency is one of the most important concepts that we should always focus on. And that is this thought that the blue chip industries that are part of Stennis will always be there and that Ingalls and Chevron and the surrounding industries will always be there and that the gaming industry and the hospitality industry is always going to be there. If we enable ourselves to fall into that pit of of taking it for granted, <laughs> this the complacency that enables us to take it for granted, we're going to, that moment, the moment that we do that collectively is the moment we start to go backwards. And it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of collaboration, a lot of leadership, a lot of focus to keep this engine primed so that we're not just maintaining, but we're actually building. And that's what they both urged us to think about. You know, I've heard through various interviews that you've done with some of my counterparts from around the state and and to an organization, to, to an executive director or CEO, there are certain mantras or uh, you know certain themes by which the, the organization seems to, to, to rally around. Um, Ricky, ours is here. We give this, we make sure this is embedded in every speech or every social media post or any communication we have. And that is a reality that for all the goodwill that we have and we maintain with existing industries and prospective industries, the fact of the matter is that all of these companies have choices as to where they place their capital dollars. And we're best served to never lose sight of that. And people like Jerry St. Pei and, and George Slogan their leadership ability, their instincts, and their acumen uh, have gone out of their way to remind us of that. They have. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with George Freeland, the Executive Director for the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. We'll see you after this.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend George Freeland, who's the uh, executive director of the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. We talked about public-private partnership, and we'll come back and explain to folks who may be listening to this conversation for the first time, what is the dynamic of that, and how is it? How is the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation made up? We'll come to that next. But when we went to break, I was mentioning about uh, my friend Austin Golding, who is a pretty significant regular on my on my show, because because he's doing these petrochemical products on the inland waterways of Mississippi out of their base of Vicksburg, but you know they're all along the intercoastal canals and then all the way up the Mississippi River and tributaries of the Mississippi, they have a good feel for the economic situation. They 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 understand why America needs an energy policy. They understand why we have uh, probably one or two uh, refineries less than what we need, and why we need a long-term energy policy. Everybody believes renewables are, are are going to be part of our future, but this notion of swinging the pendulum and forcing it to happen is just crazy. And then he's get, then he gets to talking about about Chevron and how strategically it is important it is not just the Southeast, but really to the energy sector in America. We we are incredibly lucky to have uh, Chevron refinery in Jackson County, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Petrochemicals, and specifically that refinery, are, as we often say, the the, the backbone, along with with shipbuilding, uh, the backbone of our our economy, not just in Jackson County, but to a large extent for the region, to some extent South Alabama, and uh, and a great economic influence on the the, the state of of Mississippi. I mean, look, we verified, just as an anecdotal point here, uh, verified through our own research that that there are only two counties uh, in the state of Mississippi where there is not someone deriving a paycheck, deriving to some extent a living from a manufacturer, be it Chevron or otherwise, uh, in in Jackson County. So the influence goes far, far, far beyond the, the uh, our, our county borders. Yeah, and they are a, a, a good cor- corporate citizen as well. Uh, in fact, uh, you guys just recently had the Transforming the Communities Together ceremony. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we along with, with Chevron, uh, coordinated an event last week that was intended to do a couple of things. First of all, the backdrop of it is, is that we're celebrating Chevron's 60, 60th year of operations in in Jackson County, Mississippi, in in Bayou Cassatt. Um, And we were also focusing on just a recently completed close to $30 million investment by and through Chevron in facilities, operations, machine shops, and whatnot, uh, up and down the east side of, of Highway 611. And so here we are. This is a $30 million expansion of one of our uh, key manufacturing entities in, in in the community. In most communities in our state and around the Southeast, that is big, big news. Too often, that level of investment and, and an important investment like that at Chevron goes, goes unnoticed. And, and to our point from earlier, where these things go unnoticed 
complacency starts to creep in, and that sense of entitlement starts to creep in. So the the event was one to herald and to recognize the 60-year anniversary, but also to focus on the fact that Chevron is coming off a $30 million spend that, in, in effect, is an expansion of the refinery itself. Hey, you know, it's interesting because you, you can go back to August or there, there are key events Often in Jackson County, whether it be announcing uh, some ancillary business that's connected to Ingalls or Chevron, or maybe they're they're sitting independently, or or or, or something like you just mentioned, a thirty million dollar investment uh, that is important to the community. I, I think about the guided missile destroyer Ted Stevens launch that yeah. happened back in August. You know. It's gets significant. <laughs> the way that Ingalls is cranking out these ships, and the way they continue to get, uh, you know, awarded with new shipping contracts, and what that means to the to the employment base, and 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 really not just the employment base, but but how much they're getting paid, you know, what the average pay is, and how that how that compares to the rest of the state. We take we take that for granted. I'm telling you, man. We just we just think, oh, they're always going to be launching ships over there, so no big deal. But it is a huge deal. It's it, it, it's a huge deal. And to your to your point, I'm going to cling to that a little bit. You, you're right. We we unfortunately do take it for granted, um, and we shouldn't. Um, I say this somewhat sarcastically. Uh, so sometimes I'm concerned that we just make it look too easy around here at times, uh, but it's not. None of these n- none of these things are by happenstance. None of these things just happen. Um, each one is purposeful. It is the result of a coordinated strategy by and through the individual companies and this in this community. Uh, but we probably ought to do a better job of, again, heralding on a case-by-case basis these successes. Because, again, I keep coming back to this thing. If we don't do that, that sense of entitlement coupled with that sense of complacency can can be a real threat to, to our community. To the, to, back to the shipyard itself, we were just in a meeting with Carrie Wilkinson and her team a week or two ago. And look, by all measures, by all data points, Ingalls Shipbuilding is ex- experiencing one of its most successful runs in the history of the company. Even if we bookend it just between now and 1968, which was the development of the, of the West Bank as we know it, between contract backlogs, the number of contracts, and the economic impact generated by and through these projects, Ingalls is in an extraordinarily um, successful period of time, and that is in no small part. To, here we go again with the leadership thing, the leadership that is exerted by Carrie Wilkinson uh, and her staff. Uh, I'm, I'm going to one more thought before I give it back to you. Um, there was a, a quote handed to me at the Chevron event last week, and this this quote applies be it to Chevron, be it to, to Ingalls, to Northrop Grumman, or to Rolls Royce, or, or to the myriad of other projects that we have projects that we have put in place. And that is as a community. Um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I and I think is at this at this point in my tenure, which is 22 years, if there's any standard we've set in this community, it's it's that. I agree with you. I mentioned the, the structure of the organization. I've referred to the makeup. If you think about 
how to be successful from an economic development point of view, you need to really have a public-private partnership. So elected officials and community leaders sit down at the table together and say, to develop the vision and have the buy-in and help sort of work their way through going from where we are today to where we want to go. I like the, I like the a format of the Jackson County Economic Develop, Development Foundation. Tell people about how it's structured. Yeah, sure. But again, before I do, let, let me let me impress again that, that that given or relative to a community's own economic development ecosystem, our ecosystem being quite different from, say, a Columbus um, or or Tupelo or or Natchez, for that matter, our ecosystem is one that has benefited a great deal from that public-private composition. There are other communities along the Mississippi coast who have been very successful in their own right with a different construct. But it's a formula that has, over the course of decades, worked well and produced a measure of, of, of discipline, discipline that then generates results in this community. So with Ricky, with that as the preamble to your point, ours is one, we're a public-private uh, uh, development corporation uh, that consists of uh, a governance that includes uh, in, uh, captains of industry. Kerry Wilkinson is a member of our board. Uh, Tim Potter with Chevron is, as are a number of bank presidents. And so that private sector, that corporate sector uh, talent and, and leadership and com- commitment is then paired with the public sector involvement by and through our board of supervisors, our port authority, and our municipalities. Because of that construct, Nobody that needs to be in the conversation is looking in across a fence line. Nobody is processing information secondhand. If my obligation is to have someone understand the complexities and the depth of economic development in small, offhanded bites or conversations, you can forget it. I'm never going to convey a sufficient understanding of what it takes to be successful. And that's why our construct is one where those people are in the conversation so that over time, we go back to the chronology piece of this again, over the chronology, over the economic development life of the community, they understand what our ecosystem is, what our opportunities are, what our challenges are. And what we have to be do to be successful, not just today or tomorrow, but 5, 10, and 15 years over the horizon. And that takes discipline, and that discipline requires the involvement of all key leaders in the community. And hey, that's listen, the construct through which we're able to do this. One of the things that, that Roland taught me really early in my career, and I carried this with me throughout my career at the Sun-Herald, and then when I went to Alabama, I did the same thing, and... In Louisiana, it's a really important lesson about how to find success when you're dealing with a community effort. And so when we get back on the other side, I'll share that lesson from Roland Weeks and uh, get your thoughts about it. And then and then we'll shift gears and find out kind of what the heck is going on in your world these days. We'll, we'll uh, continue our conversation with George Freeland after this.
reminding you why we all love living in Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend George Freeland, who's the executive director for the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. And when we went to break, I was mentioning that, uh, George, one of the things that Roland kind of kind of really pushed me to sort of embrace, and I got it so well, is this notion that to be successful in the community, ultimately, especially if you're going to drive big change, you've got to have the top people in the organizations that in the business leadership involved. Uh, you just have to. Um, and one of the things, like I'll give you an example. When I went to Mobile I w- and I led the oil recovery efforts for Governor Riley, and we had over a thousand people engaged in the conversation. When we put together the oil recovery effort, we ended up having to pull a few key leaders from Birmingham into the conversation. Mm-hmm. And and the reason why is because let's say take Mississippi Power for example Mississippi Power if you if you if you want Mississippi Power engaged in, in a coastal event then you got to go have a conversation with with Anthony Wilson and Anthony mm-hmm. Wilson lives here he's from here he works here um, but in in Alabama if you want to have Alabama Power engaged in a conversation you can go to a vice president of a division in Mobile but you got to go to you got to go to Birmingham to have a conversation right. with the CEO. And I could I could give you many more examples of that. Um, you're lucky you're lucky in Jackson County. And the, uh, the other point that Jordan made, one of the reasons why you, is because they're the ones with the money and the resources. Sure. They're the ones who employ people, and they're the ones who ca- can invest in stuff going forward, whether it be in expanding their business or whether it be in projects involving the community. They're the decision makers, and and when you have the decision makers engaged in activities. You got a better chance of being successful, as opposed to a number two and a number three and a number four inside an organization. It doesn't mean that they can't; the, the others can't be involved. They certainly can be, and we need them to be. But having the top person involved is a very significant thing. So, in telling your success story, uh, the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation, you've got elected officials, key elected officials, in a public-private partnership dealing with directly with the CEOs running. Chevron and Ingalls. Man, does that make a big difference. Well, it, it makes a tremendous difference. You're, you're right. If it's the president of Ingalls or if it's the president of the Board of Supervisors, that man or woman is going to set the, the, the tone. Uh, they, they are going to go back, not go back, they are going to set a sense of context and perspective that will influence the shipyard, uh, uh, its vice presidents, um, uh, refinery operators, uh, county employees, a county administrator, and otherwise. And so it's absolutely critical that they be in that room, be in our room, both physically and, and metaphorically. Um, not to be too literal about it, but to, to draw a picture, or paint a picture of, of your example. I'm at a table now, and when we have these conversations, I'm looking at two chairs across the table, one where the president of the Board of Supervisors sits, and Carrie's chair is next to his, and, 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 and Tim Potter's is next to theirs. And then we're surrounded by, again, other leaders in the community, be it through our financial community um, or, or, or otherwise. You know, Ricky, as you and I had this conversation, look, we could almost do an entire hour 
and couple together just economic development and the influences and the requirement that is leadership in a community and not talk about anything else. Right, right. Uh, and, 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 and it would and be, be a great exchange. Hey, so we'll get to uh, what, what's the latest in your world. How's your team doing? Everybody's doing extraordinarily well. Um, we're going in a lot of different directions. Uh, you know, p- part of our, our organizational construct is, is, is to be light. Right. So we engage as on the staff level, if you will, with so many other organizations, the the line is it's almost it's almost um, not discernible in the way that we connect with our our Port Authority leadership and executive leadership or with our county administrator's office or our planning department or our our airport authority or or our, our city staffs and so that there's an alignment right in this community and if we're trying to build a, a patchwork here of, of themes as they connect to leadership a, alignment has to be a part of that of that conversation and that's what we're able to do through our operations here and that is align all priorities to speak as it's one voice and focus on a shared measure of success and outcomes in, in, in this community. Um, and I'm going to give it back to you, but let me just real quickly transition here. We've talked a lot about leadership alignment and whatnot at the local level. And that truly, that is where it all begins. But we cannot have, we would not have done what we've done. We would not have executed to the extent that we have without also aligning state level legislative, federal, and other influences to, to bettering the condition of Jackson County and the Mississippi Gulf Coast. All that is is is, is keenly important. How's Mary Martha doing? She's doing extraordinarily well. As a matter of fact, she's overseas working a project right now. Um, you know, I always, we give that part of the speech quite often. So, so many times um, most people, many people in our community don't appreciate that we're always, I don't mean this in an Orwellian sort of sense, but it's true, we're always being watched. There are always companies and investors and people who are contemplating making an investment into industry, manufacturing, or otherwise um, in our community. And that's why it's, it's, it, it behooves us to make sure that we maintain that alignment in a community, in a business environment that's conducive to new investment. Because if we don't do that, here we go again. What do we get? We get complacent. And then competitors of all stripes from all kinds of places with all kinds of intentions eat your lunch. <laughs> no, no, no question. And you and I have this conversation quite often. And I, and I, and I try and be clear about this for all the – for all the parts of economic development that seem so um, e- emotional, um, the fact of the matter is, it's a comp- it is a competition. We are, we wake up every single day with the proposition of competing with the world. That sounds melodramatic, doesn't it? But it's true. Competing with the world for the better economic condition and outcomes for this community. And it's competition that sometimes is across the world. Uh, sometimes it's down the road. Sometimes it's across the country. Or sometimes it's just across the state line. But never be confused. It is a constant competition. And back to that need to avoid complacency, 
we, you and I can talk about the, our expansions, our new projects, our property development, uh, the manufacturing wages, which are higher than any community in the state, some of the highest in, in some of the highest in the southeast. The fact of the matter is, these communities covet what we have. They sure would like to hit, call it their own, wouldn't they? <laughs> I, I know that to be I know that to be a a, a fact. You uh, so you got some big ones you're working on? Oh, absolutely. Well, they're all big, but that's a good point. I like I like the way you phrase that, Ricky. Sometimes and I'm looking at a board that we keep we keep in the in the in the conference room here, and it it lists the inventories, the wins, the expansions. Um, the the new developments, and I'm always I find myself reluctant to focus on just one, because the fact of the matter is, is in a community like Jackson County's, we are highly networked, we are highly integrated, and there's a cause and effect to every single thing. So when I talk about one project, and I'm looking at the board now, I could I could focus on focus on Mississippi State and their intention now to locate their new Northern Gulf Aquatic Research Center in our light industrial and technology park. That's a whole conversation in and of itself. But to just talk about that individually, we lose perspective. We lose context. In all of these successes, be them aerospace, aviation, we're manufacturing F-35 fuselage subassemblies in Moss Point, for instance, each one is a compelling narrative in and of itself, but they're all connected. Yeah, they, they are they are definitely connected. Um, you know what's interesting? I don't it, it's been interesting watching Shad White recently talk about um, education in Mississippi, and to me, what it what what it tells me is that he probably ought to spend a little bit more time on the coast and understand the relationship between the business community and, let's say, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College is just yeah. an example where you have over fifty percent of the students at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College now involved in non traditional education, but. To me, that's that's sort of the best practice of where I think he's saying we should be going is is being focusing whether it be in job development or in or in uh, education, you know, formal education, uh, moving people toward where the the best paying jobs are. But you guys have just like you you have put tremendous focus in that area, haven't you? Well, we we have, um, and what a great segue that that was because. We through this call. Hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? We're, we're at the end of the segment. We'll pick it up right there on the other side as we continue our conversation with George Freeland from the uh, Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. We'll see you after this. Matthew show on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back to the Cookie Matthews Show. When we went to break uh, with George Freeland, the executive director for the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation, I mentioned this this um, bit of a, of, a, of a road that Shad White has been on to bring focus to the need to, to make sure that education in our state connects the dots with where the opportunities are. And I, I think Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College is the best practice. It's work with Ingalls. I'm sure probably to some extent it's worked with you guys. Um, it's it's moving in the right direction. But you said that's a good segue, so I'm going to let you kind of yeah, pick it up from there. It, it, it really is. And, and, and hey, look, from, from the outset, I, I serve, for the sake of full disclosure, I serve on the, on the uh, Board of Trustees for the Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. So be it through that assignment or my, my full-time undertaking, um, I'm uniquely qualified to make that statement that no system in the state of Mississippi or the Southeast better aligns the needs of business and industry with the skill sets that the community colleges can and are preparing for more so than the Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Now, now that being said, Ricky, we've conditioned ourselves, and we had this conversation at Chevron just recently, conditioned ourselves this way to say that we are not going to have a board meeting. We're not going to have a presentation. We're not going to deliver a speech. We're not going to have a conversation about economic development anymore if workforce development isn't some part of that that dialogue or that exchange. Uh, You and I had a really good time uh, expounding upon the hiring needs at at Ingalls and, and Chevron and all of our other manufacturers in this community. Uh, Kerry Wilkinson will tell you that just to keep up with attrition, uh, they have to make sometimes upwards of 2,000 new hires a year. With the new contract flow at Ingalls and now Bollinger with construction or the, the contract for the new polar security cutter, we have literally thousands of positions that we have to fill. So maintaining a focus on what it's going to take to bolster, reinforce, and maintain a pipeline of qualified workers has to be a constant focus of ours. And let me tell you what, I speak to competing in the competition. It's a topic, it's a matter that our competition is paying a whole heck of a lot of attention to. We have to be mindful of that. There are two ways to bring these these new workers, to recruit those from the outside or to do a better job of cultivating those within our community that have an aptitude to enter into the manufacturing workforce. And that's why I know you've done a segment with Mary Martha on our whole P3 career coach program. That in and of itself is is being uh, set up as a model a model that every other county in the state of Mississippi is attempting to replicate by and through the Accelerate programs that have been legislatively funded here in the last session. So workforce has got to be a constant theme uh, within our communities moving forward. Secondly, as we're winding down here, you do such a great job planning these segues in our conversation. And you know, you asked me about a about big projects. And that's a really interesting question, Ricky, because for the sake of context, I remind us all that, again, as I said from the outset, our ecosystem is different from other communities. So by definition, what is big in Jackson County is sometimes what would be different from big in Natchez or Columbus, for that matter. So when we when we imply big, let me be clear, we're not recruiting. I have no intentions of luring a 500-type job or employee-type company that has wage rates that are going to do anything to dilute or diminish 
the high value, high impact employment we already enjoy. Our big wins here look like a project that might only be a couple of hundred jobs, but maintain that quality of employment, technical skills, and bring a constant, consistent measure of diversification within our community. And we can touch on a number of projects in the last 24 months that have done exactly that. All really, really good stuff. You know, what's interesting about the workforce uh, development piece, which is so important, that's the reason why you guys are focused on things like the National Flood Insurance Program and and workforce housing. And, I mean, you can't, you know what, you push a little domino here and just, you know, five more little dominoes fall out from underneath it. There, I mean, it is such a holistic thing when you start talking about developing jobs and developing trained people and where they can live and where they can work and play and, you know, quality of life. All these dots connect, don't they? If you had told me five years ago that one of the things that keeps me up at night is child care, <laughs> right, I probably right. wouldn't have believed you. But again, the fundamentals, if, 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 if the discussion is about workforce, what, what, what bolsters the conversation is housing, is cost of housing, availability of housing. And flood insurance uh, buries into that immensely. Child care, uh, uh, getting women uh, back in to the workforce. There's no, there's no one thing. And again, it's about cultivating that population of, of young people who have an aptitude in which they can pursue this, these, these positions within petrochemical or shipbuilding and make one heck of a living in a way that they don't necessarily need to pursue that four-year bachelor's trajectory. And I, I think that's the point that Shad's making, and um, I think he's making it pretty good. Hey, listen, uh, I've enjoyed catching up, man. We ought to get together more often. Absolutely. You're a good friend, Ricky, and we appreciate very much this platform and, 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 and what you do. I'm glad you're well. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it, man. This has been George Freeland from the Economic Development Foundation in Jackson County. Have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. Talk Mississippi Media Production.